Welcome to the show. You're about to listen in on a great conversation. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share the show. Welcome back to the Play Big Podcast, where we're having conversations with people that are playing big in business, in life, and in finances. And today we have a very unique opportunity of sitting down with Bill Bonta. Thank you very much for coming into the studio. My first question is, who is Bill Bonta? Well, thank you, Jason. It's a pleasure. It's uh, fun how the dots have connected and brought us here. I appreciate you having us here today. So who is Bill Bonta? Well, that's a good question. He dates back to the early 70s and being born in the state of Idaho. Great parents, come from a broken home later on in life, watched a single mother work her rear end off and provided. We never went without but as we moved into a different community, it was interesting how my story connects to people. And around the age of 12, we moved into a community, went to a new school, and this short little kid named Joe introduced himself to me. And little did I know that Joe's family was wealthy, and they were big potato farmers from Idaho and big cattle ranchers. And, and so I spent my life with rich dad, poor dad, nonetheless. And, I, and I was, I, as I slept in their home over and over and over, I... I developed this identity to, that was a little bit divided because I had two polarities. It was mm. just different. Mac and cheese in one home, but mac and cheese in the other home was just slightly different. So uh, born and raised there, had those experience, went on into the painting industry, became a house painter, just followed in the labor, really the labor work, as my father had taught us how to do, mm-hmm. and met this incredible woman who who brought a little bit of order into my life. And we, we've had uh, four wonderful children and our fifth grandchild will be born in, oh. in, in July. And along the way, just having some incredible experiences, again, just to create an identity. And I think God does this incredible thing to help us mold ourselves if we'll be able to pay attention to it. But um, uh, spent a long time with a massive desire to serve people. And I couldn't I couldn't distinguish what that meant for a long time, but I could feel it. And finally, in my 40s, early 40s, I made that jump. Hmm. And that was, I just made a decision. I'd spend the rest of my life doing service work. Had been blessed with great mentors and had success. But but yeah, that's who I am a little bit. Just a guy from Idaho. Just a guy from Idaho. When you were growing up and you met Joe, uh, when when did you realize the the difference i mean uh the difference between what you said rich rich and poor but what what went through your mind at that moment in time when i guess a realization came in of, the, of the, that there was a difference where you you weren't aware of it before but then you became aware of it what was that process like as a young child it was interesting because i would see they would fight they had hair that was poking up in the morning very very similar it was a family mm. behind closed curtains there's always dysfunction of some sort yes. right but they just did things different and it was perplexing to me as I would watch them do things. His, that, that young man never had lack in his thinking. I, on the other hand, would fight that lack in thinking. They would, they, they would do things as a family that, that, again, a normal family, but they were just doing things at a higher level. And so I think as a young man, it was my first indication that you can be normal and you can still have a lot of fun. You can still be dysfunctional, right? Human beings are that way. But you, but you can literally have success. Yes. And, and I watched the struggle, and I, and I would compare. And I think comparison's a dangerous game, but it gave me, it gave me the, the sense of polarity where I could go, wait a minute, hard work, hard work. One of them pays, the other one doesn't. Mm. And then you, you got started into the painting business. Yeah. What, what, what was that journey like when you, did you start your own business, or did you work for somebody yeah. first, or what, what was that initial journey like for you? Yeah, I, I, 
I had signed up to go to college and I had had enough information watching that family succeed. I get there on the first day and this professor starts saying that he was making $38,000 a year. And and my heart went, what the hell? I mean, I don't think my mother had ever earned more than 20, (laughs) but I was wired to watch these people drive new cars and, and have success. And, and so I abandoned. And the only way anybody knew that I'd abandoned is my mother got an incomplete from the university. And so I left, went to work for a painting contractor and I was his laborer. He laid me off. I ended up getting married really young and I just didn't have a choice. I had, I had to do something to, to take care of my family. And so that was my first indication that what I'd learned as a child was working because I just hand drew some flyers, went to the copy shop. Mm-hmm. This is back in the early 90s, no technology, right. no internet. And I started knocking on doors and started selling kitchen cupboards and bathrooms and decks and stuff. And, and over time, built a pretty fun business, not really any knowledge of how to be successful. At 23 years old, my wife had discovered through a neighbor, obviously our power was off half the time and we couldn't pay the gas right. bill. Our neighbor brought her a book called You Were Born Rich by Bob Proctor. Mm. And she started to study that book behind the scenes under, under the darkness of night without me knowing it. <laughs> <laughs> and over time, we were able actually in our early 20s to, to find our way into Bob Proctor's present. And, and that started, and by the time I was 30, we were doing seven figures in that painting business. Wow. What, what were you prior to the book and Bob Proctor and finding a great mentor, and we'll get into who he was for sure because he's Im- impacted your life significantly and uh, millions of other, other people's lives. But what, what were you learning about yourself, I guess, with the painting business? Most people have is this dream of wanting to be an entrepreneur or having their own business, but then the reality sits in of, man, you got to be everything. You got to know how to sell. You got to market. Like you said, yeah. little flyers. You yeah. have to have a team. You have to learn about money. What were you learning about yourself during the beginning parts of being an entrepreneur? I think one of the biggest lessons I, I learned is that I could sell. I could just have conversations the way you and I are having conversation. Right. I didn't need to promote what I was doing. Nobody cares what I was doing, but I learned that I could connect with the person. Mm-hmm. And I made it a point where, and I carried sticky notes with me in this old van. And every time I'd go, go to walk out, I'd write on there, act confident. And I would paste it on that old steering wheel, that old Dodge van. And I'd sit there and breathe and meditate and and then I just walked to the front door and thought, I'm getting this bid. Hmm. And I'm not getting it because I'm a great painter. I'm getting it because I'm a great person. And I would just sell myself over and over and over on that concept, always with the dream to be prosperous, but more importantly, to leave there with a plate of cookies because she loved her paint job. <laughs> yeah, that's right. and, and I found joy in that. I found a lot of joy. Over time, we become fantastic and we become well-known in the valley where we live. But But I learned that it wasn't I wasn't a painter. I was a business owner providing a service. Interesting. And when, that when, when, did, when did you come up with that distinction? Because I think that's a valuable point. And some people are like, oh, it's always just a product, but sometimes products can come and go. When, when, when did you realize that that distinction? That's a big, big distinction, distinction to make. Well, a few years earlier, I was at an event that Bob Proctor was doing down in Phoenix. And I went into this room and, and there was 35 people and they were all millionaires. I have no idea how the heck we got in there because we were in our 20s. Couldn't even pay the, we couldn't even pay the bills. Somehow we're in this room, I scrounge up the money to go to this thing. And at the break, he said, let me talk to you. And he pulled me aside and he said, you're not comfortable being in this room, are you? And I said, no, not at all. Mm. He said, what are you earning? And at that point, early, I was earning like 20, 25,000 right. a year. And, and he planted that seed. He said, you've got to work on your business, not in your business. He said, you have to understand that painting is nothing more than a service, no different than selling whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think it started then around 24, 25 years old. 
And then as I started to realize, I'm not that great at being the laborer. I'm really good at connecting the dots with people and started to surround myself. And then years later, maybe four or five years later, he said, now you need an assistant. Hmm. You need somebody because you suck at money. You need to have somebody else balancing that check. And so it was just kind of in that four or five year period that it took me to let go of the labor. Working's the stupidest way to earn money. Right. It's the hardest way to earn money. Right. And no matter what I did, I couldn't paint fast enough to create any sort of abundance for my family. Mm. And I think that's a big deal in most people's lives is they just trade their time. And I don't know what it was, just something clicked with me. And it was like, wait a minute, if I could do five of these in a week and I didn't have to be at any of them, right. what would that look like? Totally different, right? Yeah. Yeah. Being able to leverage for people that don't know who Bob Proctor is, or maybe have never heard his, his name before. Who, who is Bob Proctor? And so that people have an understanding of how powerful he actually is. Bob, many people remember the movie, The Secret. Of course, Bob had been around for a long time prior to The Secret, but The Secret's kind of what put him in the, what we now know as the social market of, mm -hmm. of human development. Bob was a man from Toronto, was a fireman and fell in love with Earl Nightingale. And a lot of people know the old Earl Nightingale right. story. And, and it just built him way up through the industry. But he tells a story. He said he went to he went to Earl Nightingale and Lloyd Conant, and he said the people in our company don't they don't study this material. We're selling this, but they don't even they're not even. And you got to make them do it. And we can't do that. We can't make our employees. Mm -hmm. And but at that moment, he knew he couldn't be in a place where others weren't doing what they were saying they were actually right. doing. And so Bob built his career through the '60s and '70s, and then. 80s, and then I believe it was 2005 or six when The Secret came out, and he just had a big impact on a lot of people's lives. And I think one of the things that I love the most about Bob and who Bob was is he never wanted to fill stadiums. He wanted to put seven or eight hundred people in a room because mm -hmm. he wanted to impact the one, right. and that was the big deal for Bob. And I found him to be extremely personal. And over the years of studying with him, and then of course working with him side by side. He never changed his message. Hmm. He was always consistent and, and really just focused on thinking. And I think that's, well, I don't know that I think, I believe, I believe I know that that's what most humans aren't trained to do is to think. How do, how, how would you describe that, that process around thinking? Cause yeah, I think most people think, yeah, I, I think, or yeah. I, have, I have thoughts all day. Yeah. So therefore I'm thinking, or I'm yeah. thinking about something. What, what is thinking to you based, based on your experience, like real thinking? Yeah. Well, I think I, I truly believe that it's just being, number one, very aware. And when somebody can ask you a question, I mean, you're doing it with me right now. I got to, I got to, I, can, I can't sit here and go, well, let me think about it. Right. Because if I'm thinking about it, I'm not going to be able to answer, right. you know, and, and he, and he would drill that into us. If I ask you a question, you don't know the answer. You're not thinking hmm. because you'll know it now. Wow. And, and I really believe that that process of thinking comes from giving us ourselves permission instead of, I mean, our whole lives we've been taught right? To just, everything's slow and pause. And no, I mean, if we're created in an image and if, if we're built by essence of who we are spiritually, we don't have to be more. We already are more. I think it's Jesse Itzler that says more isn't better. Better is better. We just right. got to be better at giving ourselves permission of just responding rather than reacting. And, and I, I, I just really do, but people don't know how to think. We're wired, we're programmed, right. we go into a profession, we, we become very scripted. What are, what are some things you can do to, to de develop better thinking? So, for example, uh, you used a word that was, does a w awareness. So, 
a lot of things start with self-awareness. Sometimes people aren't very aware, right? right. Like they're like numb to everything right. that's happening in the world. But once you become aware, like my thinking isn't serving me or maybe I'm not a good thinker or maybe my thoughts aren't my own. What are what are some practical things that maybe you think can help someone that feels like they're stuck in their thinking or they have old thinking or stale thinking? What are some practical things that people can do to jumpstart a cleaner way of thinking for themselves? It's a fantastic question. First of all, I think by nature, most humans are critical. And the first thing you got to do is let credit, you got you to let critical go. You can't condemn yourself because I don't have the right thinking. Who cares, right? right. I mean, all of us have learned how to walk, talk, drive cars, all these things. We've learned things. So if you haven't learned to think, you can learn to think, and it's the same process. But but I think some of the things that I believe are key is study. You got to be in a. I see you promote books, right? And it's it's key, right? You know the old adage, leaders and or readers and all that stuff. Well, that that's great. That sounds great. But what are you really reading to understand about you? Right. The essence of self development is developing self, right? Not volume, right. not bookshelves. Hell, if, if somebody just took one book and studied it every page, every day for six years, one book, it would change their life. Mm. Repetition is the mother of learning. So I, I'm completely convinced that developing self is key because we're honest with ourselves. Right. And you've experienced it when you're reading a book and it's like looking around like, where's the cameras? How does this guy know? <laughs> right. How does this know Written me? specific for me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I look at why I'm sitting here. Clear across the country from Ho to Atlanta. Right. Proximity is key. You got to be around people that are winning. You got to be around people that challenge you to think. I was walking around your office this morning and I was thinking, okay, it took a level of awareness to do this because you could do it in a little box. You could create this little room somewhere and nobody would know the difference, right. but it's fantastic. And, and what proximity is the key to frequency and vibration, I think. Mm. I think you got to be around ideas and people who are driving and then just be willing to just do it. Just be willing to take the action to learn through experience. We were talking earlier about about education or experience. Right. It's so key in anything that we do. I was, I, you know, I, I tell my kids all the time, you can learn to swim on YouTube, but until you get in the water. It's a whole nother story. It's a whole nother story. What do you think, what do you think stops a lot of people? Because I think people can become aware. Yeah, I need maybe reading as a, as something I need to do, or I, I don't like to read, or I read it in my mind. Yeah. But one, once someone has learned something or they, they become aware of something, yeah. What do you, in your experience, what do you think stops people from taking what, they, what they've what they learned and then, like you said, getting the actual experience of it? Yeah, I can watch a video on swimming, but until I get in the ocean or jump in the pool, it's a different reality. In in your experience of working, you've worked with thousands and thousands yeah. of, of people over the years. What do you think stops most people from, one, being willing to learn, but then once they've learned something, actually applying yeah. what it is that, that they were learning? You know, Jason, I think, what are you emotionally involved in? Why are you going to change? Why are you studying? We've been trained in society to check boxes, to-do lists and wake up and they hire a coach, someone like you or me or Bob or, or whoever, and you got to do this, this, and this. And so they wake up with a workbook and they just check dots. Mm. But you're the only one that can figure out you. Nobody else can figure out you. Nobody else can figure out me. And I better be emotionally involved in something that charges me with enough desire to figure out why I am not thinking. Again, eliminating criticality, leaving me alone, being nice to me, but literally and deliberately having something for a reason. Why? What are you wanting to change for? Why does it matter to you? And why does it matter to your family? Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your community. If you can't connect something to your purpose for developing self, you're toast. And how do people um, uh, begin to 
cult cultivate the the emo the emotions inside them. So you you get an uh, an emotional trigger to do something. A lot of times people people are preoccupied with negative emotions because their whole life is not going the way that they want because they haven't found their purpose yet. And so once they start tapping into emotions, how can you help someone that once they get going, you're gonna get hit with all kinds of battles. The enemy's going to take force and Nolly's opposing force. Once you get into your purpose, you get this emotion, you get triggered, you start to go out there, the very first thing that's going to happen is, is <laughs> something negative oh. is going to come come and hit you. How do you teach people or how do you coach people to to get out of the negative emotion and back into into the power state of yeah, their emotion? I, I love that question. I think it was Einstein that said one of our greatest decisions is is whether we actually focus on a hostile universe or a friendly universe. Right. I think you have to deliberately, but again, that's a trained tool. I mean, the normal reaction is to go down fast. Mm. I mean, how long does it take to build this building? A year? Just about, yes. You can burn it down in 30 minutes. Right. Right? Correct. And I know that's harsh, but the reality is, is that it's easier to see the flame and run towards the flame because we're wired. Everything in society is telling us the enemy, as you called, that process, we are wired to see the worst. Mm. But if you on purpose are determined because of this reason, I've got to be better because I have something inside of me. And you study to understand that part of you and you focus on the, the, the friendly side, we call it right side, left side, mm -hmm. which one are you going to focus on? But if you train yourself, no different than going to learn a new language. I mean, you travel all over, mm. you're accustomed to hearing different languages. Well, if you learn this just like you do a language, you will have better discipline be able to capture that in the moment. And we're going to fail, right? I right. mean, I I have things all the time happen that that I, I'm escalated. But, you know, it was James Allen that said that calmness of mind was a beautiful jewel of wisdom. Mm. Like calmness creates speed. Interesting. Say, we, say again, calmness creates speed. speed. Yeah. Bob used to say all the time that the, the universe loves speeds. Well, mm. if we're reactive all the time instead of responsive, response comes in in complete calmness. So house is on fire. Bob would say, I, I could literally walk out of here with my briefcase and a suit and I'd be as loose as ashes. I was talking to uh, Jessica earlier about the Lions coach. And I said, one thing I like about that guy is that when they get a touchdown and they're winning, he's the same as he is when he's about ready to rip somebody's right. head off after a bad call, right. after a bad call, you know, um, it, that's an art, but that's not natural in most of us. That's something that we have to learn. And so to keep us from derailing and allow us to gain that awareness that we're talking about, you have to, I, I'm just convinced you have to recognize that strength, do it once and then go, okay, I did it once. Now I got to do it again. And it won't be common. It'll be clumsy as heck. Yeah. And how do, how do you keep building up an identity about, about yourself? Because people get trapped, you know, uh, in their identity. I, I'm not that person or I'm not successful or yeah. I'm, I am, you know, as you say, like your eyes are on the flame as opposed to the yeah. glory over here. How do you, once you start moving through this process, also start to change your identity that I am not this person, but I am this person over here? Again, that's, it's incredible. Identity-based behaviors are what control that movement. Mm -hmm. And to me, there's enough people around that are winning. You've got a picture on your wall behind you of great men that, that I, I could model a, a, a percentage off of every one of those men, including you, of the qualities that are great. And I could create that as part of my identity. That's not stealing. That's just adding to what I'm already created to be, mm. right? Again, more isn't better, better is better. And I think too many times what, what, what we do as humans is we assume, well, you're a house painter or you're a doctor right. or you're a coach. No, you're Jason Tyne. Right. 
right? Whether you had a doctorate degree or whether you were a house painter, you're still Jason Titan. It has nothing to do with what you do. And so I, I, I like to look at people. That's why proximity and being around people right. is so important because I like to look at these qualities and these small, impactful things that each one of us bring. Right. I, I do that. I, I, I recognize I do that. that. That's really similar to how I think. That's how, that's how I met you. Mm-hmm. You said some things that made sense to me because truth is always truth. Mm-hmm. And here we are, thousands of miles from where I met you. Right. And it's, it's about deliberately recognizing in those moments, okay, okay, I, those guys, I do that. And then giving yourself credit. And how do you get, how do you get proximity? Because people will, will say proximity is power. Or how did you first start, start learning? I know you got into proximity around Bob Proctor, but you probably were in proximity to, to other people. Um, what, what, in your experience, what, what stops people from wanting, wanting it? Because I think people deep down inside of themselves, if they yes. were being true with themselves, they, they know they want something more. Their spirit inside of them, they have some dream, they have some, des- they have some vision. I think for me, I think God put that inside of every human being. And they, they have this vision of what their destiny could look like. And then they know that they want to do something, but they don't do something. They know they should go talk to someone, but they don't talk to someone. And they know that they should. What, what in your experience, stops them or what doesn't stop you from doing that? Yeah, that's really good. I, I think, first of all, I think it's okay to understand that your results are not who you are. They who you were. And that we start at zero every single day. And, I'm, I mean, again, I'll use our story. I saw you on a stage. Had no idea who you were. Right. You came off there. I couldn't catch you as you left the room. My old identity and paradigm says, ah, oh, well, it's cool. I'll look him up on social media. I'll message him. He may or may not even respond. Right. I show up at a restaurant. There you are. You're eating. You're with your, you're with your people. The, the conditioning said what? Leave him alone. Right. He's busy. Don't talk to him. So we, even people that win have that right. bull crap going on in our minds, right. you know? But I think I, I, what you have to do is you have to just pull in and say, no, screw it. There's a lot more meals. He can, he cannot, he can eat later. Correct. I can eat later. Who cares? Cause what's he going to do? Push me away. Right. And it's a choice, but that. our results are not who we are. They're who we were. So why keep making decisions? Just step in. And you know, the old adage, when one door closes, another one opens. Right. I don't believe that. Right. I'm convinced that when one opens, another one's open, but it requires us to step in. Right. And we stood there for 40 minutes that night and talked about things and no, there was no, there was no intent. There was nothing for a grab for either one of us. Right. We're just here, and so people that have desire for proximity start go somewhere, be around better people. And I love it. I was talking to your some of your people here. And I'm like, man, you guys are so blessed to be in the proximity mm. here. And by nature of absorption or whatever you want right. to call it, every one of your people in this office will be 10x five years or sooner. I, I love something that you said. I mean, making making a de- making a decision. I think. And you also referenced you're you're really not who you were in the past. You you, you living in the present. So people often hear the conversation of you know past, present, future. Um, you know the past is the past, and stop dwelling on the past. It's easier said than done for for most people. But recognizing a, a present moment, just like you said, I could reach out to him in the future. You just send him a message, look him up. That's like living in the future, and tomorrow never comes because it always becomes today. When did you first start learning? Uh, I can make a decision right now to do something, whether it's going to work or it's not going to work, but something about your identity says, I'm going to go have a conversation. Something in my identity loves people that want to have a conversation. People have a perception maybe because of my demeanor or something. Sometimes we're like, ah, he's maybe not approachable to have something, but I 
value relationships more than anything. Meaningful conversations mean something to me. Meaningless conversations are a waste of time. And so you making a decision to, to do something, as soon as the conversations start, I'm like, I'm so great. I was so grateful to have the conversation. But when did you first actually start applying? Yeah. applying did it go all the way back to yeah. when you were the painter and say, be, be confident and putting yeah. that you know, sticky note on the thing? Is that something that's always been there that's well, kind of build over time? Yeah, because I'd be down at the, at the Sherwin-Williams and I'd be like, yeah, man, these guys, I mean, they're earning enough money to get to the bar. Right. They're driving the same vehicle manager dressed better than they did at the, at the supply house, but, but still he, it was all. And, and then I started to figure out if I went and talked to the contractors, what if I went to the house builders, they seemed to be a little smarter than me and I'd go to lunch and I'd ask them questions. And some of them are not aware enough to tell you why they're winning. Right. They're just, they're not. Yeah. Wow. We just work hard and we get up in the morning. They, they don't understand unconsciousness and right. they don't understand that. I think that was my first experience and started to see that. But I, but I want to play out here for just a minute that you have to decide that you're worth it. What about my wife and my kid? What about my future grandkids? What about the people? If I don't do something to break the mold and I'm too weak to go ask, because people like you exist, and, and it's not just you. It's nothing to do with that. Bob Proctor would love people to come to him because he wanted right. to have intelligent conversations. 100%. Right? So there's this entire untouchable misnomer that's just, it's just not true. Yeah. The, 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 the moment of decision, right? So decisions has the, has the opportunity of shaping your destiny. Right. And people look, think of things like that as like a cliche, but you had mentioned earlier before even, uh, you know, got mic'd up and stuff talking about like a psychic deposit. Yeah. Uh, and what, what does that mean to you? Because I think uh, the, the invisible things that go on in the world, so your spirit, all, all these things that are mo mostly invisible can manifest physically for, for people to see them. But making a decision is an invisible thing. It's not like I'm grabbing this box or there's somebody say, here's my decision. It's something that's happening happening in an invisible world. Ex explain to me how great people make the invisible visible. And then people go, oh, now I see it. But it's the decision in the invisible that ha has power to it. It's amazing. I mean, I, I, I really do believe that it comes from trusting self. Mm -hmm. I believe you have to learn to know thyself. I think you have to know and, and you completely have to just, the old hunch, you know, right. and there's always going to be an argument. There's always going to be a bunch of garbage going on because you said it earlier. You know, that, I mean, it's coming after you. Yes, it did. It did it to me that night. Leave him alone. Don't go talk to him. Right. You know, don't reach out to Bob Proctor when I was on my back in North Dakota, one of the worst places of my life, and and I'd been mentored for him and had fallen apart again. And I just believe you have to get to that spot where you honor yourself enough, and you've got to want something big enough. And it's never about the money. It's really not. Mm. It's a it's your character and your own integrity. Right. Right. Because who's listening to you all the time? You. Right. And often in life, how many times do we lie, especially to ourselves? Right. And and as we do that, we beat the tar out of this identity. Mm. When in reality, is our future self's out there, as you said, that unknown. And that's our biggest cheerleader because we were built and designed. The spiritual essence of who we are was wired to win. And we're just built with all these things that we're unlearning to develop an understanding, if you will, through action and failure and failure and failure and getting back up to be more decisive, to have more recognition of those feelings. Because the everything, this building was nothing more, the things that you've done in here were nothing more than an idea. Right. They weren't physical. There was no cons. That's right. They were just an idea. And 
you know, I think it was Wallace Waddles that said, you got to see the truth regardless of the appearance. Mm. And that, again, in itself, Jason, it's a training. It's learning a language. You have to have the capacity to understand this gift for us to see the non-physical, accept the non-physical, and be relentless until we become the people through identity change right. to possess the awareness to connect those dots. And uh, in your experience, how, how fast can that happen for people? Because I think sometimes people are like, oh, I've been living my life. You know, I've had these beliefs about myself for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And then they become, they grab some level of awareness. Someone hits them, they hear something, they see something, they watch something. And then they're like, oh, I want to make a change. And unfortunately, most people are like, oh, I'll wait to the beginning of the year. And then I'll have this New Year's resolution to make this change. Well, you're really the same person. I mean, you're, you know, just because the calendar day changed, you're still bringing yourself with you. But in your experience, how fast can people change based on the ability to make a decision about their true identity? Again, the essence of speed. We live in a, we live in a, a world, a universe right. that is designed for speed. It can happen instantly once you make a decision. However, the education to learn it, I'm conversations, I'm with people all the time. Well, I got to wait till the first year. I got to wait for this to happen. When this happens, I'll do this. When that happens... But the reality is, is in five years, if you're not dead, there's only one other alternative. You'll be alive. And so it's that start that stops most people. We, we just have to understand that we start immediately because change is progressive. You know, that progressive realization, it's just, it's constant. And I mean, I'll have people all the time say, well, yeah, but if I can't earn a billion dollars, then, then why even run? Right. Well, hell, your awareness is how to earn 30 grand. What would $100,000 do for you? Totally. It'd be, oh, well, that'd make a huge, okay, well, let's just start at where you are and develop beliefs. But it's, again, I mean, Don Shula, I believe in the old Miami Dolphins locker room, I think he had a sign up in there I, I'd heard above the door. It's the start that stops most people. Just start, right. don't wait. Right. Pick up the book right now and read a chapter 10 times and highlight it and ask yourself, am I that person or am I not that person? And as you start studying, you start getting around people, listen to podcasts, do things and ask yourself questions. And, and I'll say it again, when you discover you're not, stop being critical. Right. Drop me in the middle of some country somewhere that I don't know how to speak that language. It's going to be tough. Right. But I do believe if I had to, to survive, I would learn the language. Right. Is what you're doing as a human important enough that you're willing to take what you know is in here and here more importantly, to learn the language, to accomplish that? You know, everything we know revolves around frequency and energy. I mean, you can, you can, you've heard it all, mm -hmm. but until you match with that identity with that station that that resonates on, it's going to be very difficult to not just remain in a delusional state. Most people remain in a dream fantasy state, but it's through action we receive that opportunity, those inspirations, those connections, dot, dot, dot. I mean, wasn't it Steve Jobs that said you can't connect the dots looking forward, you can only connect them looking backwards. Right. Therefore, it's guaranteed by, by nature that they're always going to connect. Right. And, and the last thing I might say about that is it's okay to live in wonder I wonder why I met Jason Tyne in Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I just turned the rest over. It's none of my business, right? It's none of my business. Why do I have to know better than God in the universe? I never will. Yeah, it's just tr trusting it and, tr and doing, doing something with, with what, what, you, what you know yeah. and figuring the rest out as it, as it goes along. When you, because you, you, you also help coach and mentor a lot of people. Sometimes pe people are stuck. You're getting them unstuck. Sometimes they're just getting going. And they help build build momentum. What do, What do you tell people that uh, have had some levels of success for themselves? By most standards, they're they're successful. Whatever people are gauging success by. But for some reason, oftentimes people that 
get out themselves out of inertia and basically they're not moving and then they get into momentum and then like all these great things start happening in their life. They're like, oh yes, everything I've been taught, everything I'm putting together is starting to work. That also becomes a dangerous moment in time in my experience because once you get massive momentum, you hit this level of, of a breakthrough moment for yourself. Like, holy crap, yes, the, I am manifesting things that I'm manifesting and things are going great. There's two opportunities. One opportunity is to have this massive breakout where you, you really hit the accelerator and what you thought was good is no longer good, that there's a, another level called greatness and beyond. But sometimes people, most people in my experience, sometimes they get stuck there in momentum and they don't break out. They actually go backwards and they break down. What would you tell someone that is starting to hit strides? Things are starting to go for them. 2024 is starting off as a great opportunity for them. What are some things you can help people be aware of as guardrails, as you start to create momentum and the universe is conspiring to, to win for you? What are some things to be uh, more aware of that they weren't aware of to make sure they can hit a breakout and not go backwards and, yeah. and go through breakdown moments. Yeah. I, one thing I appreciate people that are winning, that are humble, is they're always consistent in that area. Mm. You rarely see that, that stuff. They're yeah. pretty consistent. And, and as I looked into this to try to attempt for myself to understand what is it about him or her that even in hell on earth, they still figure out how to continue to bump forward. And I, I just that whole concept of what got you here is not going to get you here. And that journey between here and here, it's no different. I, I watched many mentors that still wake up every day if they've got a billion dollars in their account or if they're broke, they wake up every day and they do the same thing. They Correct. do self-care. I start yes. the day winning. I do things for me that keep me consistent and they're never different. I mean, you couldn't get a hold of Bob at five in the morning if you wanted to right? because he was behind his desk working on himself and that was sacred to him. Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter how well the cash flow was or how sucky it was. Bob was taking care of Bob first. And I believe that's true because what happens when it gets good, most people let off the gas. And I've experienced right. that where all of a sudden, remember our results are not who we are, they're who we were. So back here, we're working on ourselves, we're studying, we're right. coaches, mentors, we're hanging around great people. And then we forget what got us here. The old saying that our paradigms control 96 to 98% of all of our results is a fact. And we are wired. Just because you get better does not mean that your conditioning of the past is gone. Right. still there, right. right? And so it will respond because it's, it's wired into us. I mean, you could go into neurological work and all that stuff, mm -hmm. prove some of that stuff. But you got to be aware that I can slide just as fast as I can grow. And it's just one thing I've recognized with great people is that they're consistent on themselves. They come first. Right. I take care of me first to keep my mindset and... Look, I've worked with guys that are billionaires, mm -hmm. and I've worked with guys that can't even pay. And one thing that's very common is they're all humans. They all have relationships that are messed up. They all have health that's messed up. They all, everybody's the same. And so just because there's a status there doesn't mean that it's different. In fact, sometimes on top, as you said, it's more dangerous right. because they lose their identity. And I was, in ending what you're asking me here, you got to know who you are here so that you remember that you're the same person there. You right. might be more aware. You might have a little better skill set. You might have a, an incredibly more influence, but that does not change who you really are. Right. And, and I, you said something earlier in the office, what's your purpose? Right. And if you can identify with your purpose, that'll never change how big, doesn't matter how big your bank account is because the psychic reward is what brings joy in our life. Yeah, and I think mo yeah, most people struggle with identifying their, their real purpose, yeah. um, which, which is a, a shame. What, what is it that you're currently doing that has you most excited? As, as 2024 is just starting right now, what, what has you most excited about what you're doing? 
just I mean, literally for me, it's breaking out and enhancing my own identity mm-hmm. and knowing that my purpose is to serve abundance for others, have a dang lot of fun myself and create abundance for my family. In, in the coaching world, there's a lot of good stuff out there, but I'm really hungry to make it simple, mm. to make it basic for, the, for, the, for even the guy that, that is just starting, to make it more simple, less complicated, less overwhelming. What I love is that there are normal people with seeds of greatness that are just oozing out of them. Mm. And because of divorced families, abuses, all inner city, you could right. name it. They will sit out there if somebody doesn't have an impact. And I think it's cliche because all of us in this industry have a similar feeling, mm-hmm. but I'm convinced in the part that I'm so, so really more, I hate using the word excited sometimes, but I'm motivated is that less is more, that there's a way to do things in an impactful way with less, less big right. and more impact. Yeah, it's, I, I love that. It's a, it's a law of nature, actually. I mean, it's called the law, I think, of ephemeralization, if yeah. I remember the, the, yeah. the yep. word right. But it's, yes, nature is very good at doing more more with less, with less. And you said something important where less complicated. I think that, like a law of nature is something simple becomes complex, and then the complex thing becomes simple. So it's like a tree. Tree starts with a seed. The seed is a very simple structure. It's this tiny little thing. You put it into dirt, and it grows into this complex structure called a tree. Right? It's got a root system, and it's got the leaves and everything. But the tree produces another simple seed, and it always goes back to simple. So it goes. The law of nature is always simple, complex, simple. simple yeah. But human beings, in my experience, especially if you start building businesses or you start doing something, it goes from simple, and when it gets complex, human beings have a a tendency to take the complex structure, and make it complicated. So they can look more smart or like, oh, you couldn't figure it out because now it's so complicated. But that's not complication that leads to failure. But what you're saying is, I love what you're saying because you're saying once things get complex and society gets more complex and technology gets more complex and the ability for people like you and I to take something that's complex and turn it back to simple so that anybody could have access to it and get awareness to it, I think is a powerful, extremely powerful position that you you just said that you want to take you you had mentioned to me and maybe i'll spin it just here for a second and, and reverse some questions on you you know you talked about even financial simplicity and that's what inspired me was the simplicity bob used to say order is heaven's first law and i would wander around going what the heck is he talking about we live on earth not in heaven what does he mean but order and when there's order when there's when chaos has subsided you have thinking ability you are gifted to be created in an image that's beyond anything that we can fully understand. And so for you, I think one of the things that I'd love to hear from you too, and I think it's important, you seem like a simple guy. Mm-hmm. Why is it important for you? I think it's when you, when you said chaos and order, when I was first struggling with my identity of what did I spiritually believe, because I grew up Roman Catholic and then I went around in the world and then I got introduced to all these other teachings like Buddhism and Taoism, like, oh man, I was so messed up. My early 20s, I'm like, I don't even know what I think anymore. But I was reading a, a, I think it was a Taoism thing that said muddy water is nothing more than just dirt in water. But if you took it and just let it sit, it would naturally uh, take take itself apart. And I think for for me, I always didn't was dissatisfied with people that tried to pretend like they were smarter than they were by making something complicated. And for me, I always knew that that wasn't true. Like complication is a word for a reason because it's complicated and everything about our life shouldn't be complicated. It should be simple. 
And I love the idea and I always admired people that had the ability to communicate a very complex thing in a very simple way. And I think that for the average person the, to create awareness in somebody's to hit them in a way, whether visually, auditory, or kinesthetically, in a way that exposes them to simple, practical strategies. Yes. Because simple, practical strategies gets the job done. And if you're exposed to a simple, practical strategy, then I know the thing that's going to get you over the edge is you, right? So for example, if I were to ask, ask anyone in the world, what are two things you need to do to get physically fit? There's only two things you need to do. And anyone around the world could say, I need to eat right and exercise. That's sure. it. Everybody knows that. A hundred percent of the population knows if I need want to get physically fit, there's only two things I need to do. Eat right and exercise that's every it. day. That's it. But there's millions of books written about how to eat right. There's millions of books written about how to exercise. There's so many different complicated strategies yep. of what to do other than if all I did every day was just eat better and yeah. exercise. And I did it every single day. There's this magical thing. I think Einstein called the eighth law of the yep. universe, which is compounding. Yep. Right. I knew if I could find a simple practical strategy and I did it every single day, then over time, the momentum would get in my favor. And for me, it was, I like the simplicity of that. I like simple things. I always had this phrase of ride the wave of life and always play big because I always love being at an ocean. And I love the, and I always came up with a phrase of ride the wave of life because for me, sitting at an ocean and you see waves or you see surfers that are out in the ocean, they're all, you know, sitting on their surfboards. Let's say there's 10 surfers out in the ocean and a wave comes. And does every single surfer decide to ride the same wave? No. And so I loved that imagery of, man, maybe there's three surfers that turn their boards and they take that wave in and whether they make yeah. it all the way to the end or not, or they crash and burn. The other seven are just sitting there having a conversation and then the next wave comes. Yeah. And so that became a simple metaphor for me that in life, there's always another opportunity. There's always another wave. There's yeah. always something else. And just because I choose to ride the, this next one doesn't mean I have to convince everybody else to, or right. just because they are, doesn't mean I have to. It's which one was right for me. And if I make it all the way to the beach and I, you know, get it, guess what I'm going to do? I'm still going to grab my board and swim back out to yeah. have another opportunity of yeah. doing something. And so the the imagery of the ocean, which, you know, I think God miraculously just, you know, is, is a great metaphor for me that there's always another opportunity. Same thing. I mean, I grew up playing sports and I love sports and I love being competitive. Yeah, now we're in the, in the end of playoffs and it's the way sports is, right? You either win or you lose. The season comes to an end, but the reason I love business and the reason I love life is there's always another opportunity for a rematch, yeah. right? There's always another opportunity. There's always yeah. another game that can start. There's always something that's there. And so for me, I wanted to communicate to people in a way that I think was simple for them to take all yeah. the complexity of the world, speak to them and say, here's two simple things that you can do, whether it's for a business or for your money, Whatever it is, here's whatever your physical fitness, here's what you can do or mental, your mental health. Like, yeah, man, if you just read 10 pages of a book every single day, you could read the same pages every day. But if you just did it every single day, I think you'd amaze yourself at what you would become. And then you just go do the work on you. And when you have something that's simple, it makes the work on you easier because you can leverage the simplicity a lot better. But yeah, so I try just so I try getting back to yeah, simplicity uh, is thank king. Thank you. No, I, I love that idea. I love the concept. I mean, the whole idea around understanding that as you shared with nature and just how effortless I mean the tides in, the tides out. Mm -hmm. And it's truly to understand and I I, I I believe I'll never forget the first time I, I called Bob in perplexity. And he said to me, he said, you're the only problem you have, <laughs> but you're also the only solution you have. Goodbye. 
and he hung up on me. <laughs> and it was that simple. Now, I'm not saying that I understood it, but it sure hit home to help me understand. He, he could have gave me this long, drawn-out concept of how right. I could get myself out of this disaster. No, you're the problem, but you're also the solution, and that's the blessing. Goodbye. Right. And hung up. Right. And that was it. And in today's world where there is so much chaos and so much being drawn, I mean, look up mental wellness and mental fitness. It's mm -hmm. the number one subject all over the internet, all over the corporate America. We just need to do things that create more simplicity, as you're talking about, so that people can nestle into order. Because human dynamics and who we are, we're already created to win. It's, yes. in, our, it's in our DNA. Right. We, we can't negate that. You can't push that back. And so when there's order you'll perform. Right. But when there's chaos, you will conform. I mean, that's just the rule. Yeah, it is. And I don't think people spend enough time just as, as you started off the, the conversation today, which I love, is, ju is just thinking, right? The, the ability to think, the ability to put yourself in a state or an environment that allows you just to think without, without distraction, without noise, without competition to just who you are. And so uh, I've really enjoyed the, the conversation today. I look, look forward to spending uh, a lot more time with you over the next two days as we're here in Atlanta. Um, where can people find out more about you or, or what you do? Where would they go to? Yeah, they can just go to billbanta.com, and from there they can shoot me a message and check things out there, and we're going to start putting up a bunch more on Instagram and other social media, so it would be great to have them follow. Very cool. I'm going to have you do something before we leave. As you can see, there's stickers everywhere. Yes. But I always have everyone grab a round sticker, sign your name, put a phrase on there that's important to you, and then... Find any spot on the table where you want want it to be seen. What does it say? You're the only problem you have, and you're also you're all the only solution. <laughs> only you solution have. have. Awesome. I love that. <laughs> Find a spot for it to go on the table wherever you want, any direction. Really cool. Perfect. Well, thank you for coming in. I enjoyed the conversation, and until next time, always ride the wave of life and always play big.